0: We welcome you back to another episode of running for the roses ryan baffle lucas alongside lucas roadie talking all things college football lucas it's a bit of a sad week um because college football's over i mean we have bowls which are all, always great um we have army navy this saturday but we basically had our last semi-full slate of college football championship weekend which we will recap and we'll talk all things playoff and we'll talk coaching and bowls but um a little bit of a a, bit, a bittersweet moment for me watching Kenny Pickett win the ACC when I realized this is it, man. It's going to be it for a while.
1: Yeah, it is Is a surreal feeling. The season flies by. It just feels like a week or two ago we were previewing all of our conferences, but uh, I am excited for the playoff matchups, but I, I do hate the fact that we have to wait like four weeks for them to happen. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do on my Saturdays, probably spend more time with my girlfriend and my dogs, more quality time. Sounds Uh, nice. But, (laughs) but, uh, but no, it is, it is a weird feeling, um, for it to happen, but, uh, another fun and, and quiet, quiet season, especially here towards the end.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing really to talk about. We've had to scramble to get topics to talk, to, to talk about. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's start with a little breakdown of Championship Weekend that will kind of lead us into our playoff discussion. Obviously, the matchup of the weekend, number one, Georgia, falls to number three, Alabama, 41-24. Um, Lucas, Georgia allowed something like 60, 70 points all season, and Alabama torches them for 41. They had over 300 yards in the first half. What were your impressions of the sec title game
1: yeah i mean i think this was kind of the worst case scenario if you were georgia in a spot we hadn't seen them all season uh we i think everyone wondered if they had to get into a shootout type offensive styled game how they would go and we saw it didn't go great and they really hurt themselves obviously they gave up 41 seven of those were on a pick six Thrown. It was one of, I think, two of uh, ben- or, uh, Stenson Bennett's uh, uh, turnovers. But I think we just saw when it came to an offensive game, the team with the best offense and better quarterback won, and that was Alabama, who have uh, who I think is probably going to be our Heisman Trophy winner next week in Bryce Young. So I think when it came down to that, when it became that style of game, that the advantage just swung to Bama. And Bama's kind of up and down season continues. This was a team that could barely score 10 points regulation against Auburn. And then, like you just said, put up 300 yards in the first half against Georgia.
0: You know, this was a game that Alabama was about a six and a half point dog. And there was a lot of me that wanted to take them. But the way they were playing just wasn't wasn't great. They barely beat a bad LSU team that was really banged up. They scored 20. Um, they beat Auburn in four overtimes or 10 points in regulation. So this was not an offense that was cruising. Now, some people have pointed out, maybe they weren't showing a ton. Maybe they were holding some things back because it looks pretty good. They put up 24 points in the second quarter. Bryce Young threw for 421 yards. And we go back and we kind of, now everyone's nitpicking Georgia, in, including me, because you go back and you look at specifically the offenses. I mean, Clemson had their worst offensive season in quite a while with a quarterback that had not lived up to expectations. Who's the best offense they faced in the SEC? I mean, is it Auburn with Bo Nix? Is it Kentucky that could barely throw the ball? Like it's probably Tennessee who finished seven and five. Like the SEC East was not very good this year. Objectively just was not. Now they did play Arkansas. They did play Auburn who at the time, like those were ranked teams, Arkansas, top 10 team, but I finished eight and four, so you it's it's when you go back and look at Georgia's resume, you go back and look at Georgia's season. Like that defense was dominant for sure, but they had not played an offense, they had not played a quarterback like Bryce Young, like Alabama, and I think it showed. I think the secondary got exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, they could not really get pressure with four, and. They go into the playoff here with a lot of a lot of question marks. I think a lot of people think we're just going to get the rematch, Bama Georgia, but um, the way Michigan's playing and the way we saw Georgia play would not surprise me if the um if the Wolverines game a game and ended up beating them.
1: Yeah, I and I haven't even seen the line. I think Georgia are they about like a six point seven point favorite? I'll check uh, against Michigan, but no, I I agree. Uh, I think I mean I'm not. I'm totally fine with Georgia being one of the four teams in the playoff just because prior to the week, I think we all agreed that even if they lost to Alabama, they were in. I just don't think we saw them losing by 17 points in what was probably a glorified home game there in Atlanta for them, and they still haven't been able to get off the Alabama buck. This is, I think, their third straight loss in key games against them, their second straight time in the sec title game and yeah i think there are just high question marks for them moving forward especially at the quarterback position they stuck with stenson bennett which i think was the right call over jt daniels but i think we know kind of what this offense is when stenson bennett is the quarterback and i think it's going to be a big question mark for them not just this year but going into next season too uh if they want to take that next step
0: so Georgia, seven and a half point favorite over Michigan and Alabama's 13 and a half against Cincinnati. I think it's hard. I think Stetson Bennett will get the blame, but he threw for over 300 yards and the Alabama team. I mean, if, if you were to tell me Alabama scores 41 on Georgia, I would say Bama wins by more than 17. Yeah. Right. I mean, scoring 24, um, not a terrible result for Georgia. Um, some of that came in garbage time, obviously, but. Um, I don't know. Like I always thought that they had limitations with Stetson. I think the whole Stetson Bennett, JT Daniels thing is weird. Like, I don't know if JT Daniels just isn't as good as we thought, but yeah, you know, here's a former five-star quarterback that is getting beat out by a a walk-on and he's gotten beat out basically two years in a row. And the way JT Daniels ended last season, you thought he was the solidified starter. And this would be, he would help lead them to a national championship or at least an appearance, hasn't been the case. I mean, he just hasn't played in the last couple months. So we'll see, um, you know, as we kind of get to some of the other games, I don't know how much we want to talk about Michigan, Iowa, just the, the ass kicking that the Wolverines put on the Iowa <laughs> Hawkeyes, um, yeah. the most lopsided game, but they're in the playoff as well. And then Cincinnati, your fourth team, um, they get the American championship at the 35, 20 victory uh, on their home field, which was, which was kind of cool over, over Houston, Lucas, I'll kind of open the floor to you of those two games and whatever kind of caught your eye.
1: Well, I think obviously Michigan just manhandling Iowa. That game was not really ever close. I didn't even watch a lot of the game. I was at a wedding this weekend and was able to catch second half and uh, Iowa was driving. I think it was the fir- their first drive of the second half. They get down inside the 10 and I think they go for it. I think it was fourth and three. And the play they run, their quarterback, uh, I think it was their second string at the time, Padilla, throws it three three yards behind the line of scrimmage, and they take like a seven-yard loss on the play. And after that, I was like, yeah, this game, <laughs> this game is over. But kudos to Michigan for just coming out and taking care of business. I thought there was going to be some type of hangover effect. I felt that they probably – I wasn't sure if they felt last week was their championship game and they would come out a little bit flat. They came out anything, but, uh, coming out with some trick plays where they hit, I think it was like a 70 yard, uh, touchdown early on. Uh, but kudos to them for taking care of business. I think with Cincinnati, I'm just excited. We, we finally have a group of five, uh, team in the playoff. And there was no doubt. It would have been interesting to see what Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma state, if they had, you know, maybe had one more inch on that final play. Um, but uh, kudos to Cincinnati and that staff. They really turned it on the last month or so to give them no doubt uh, and beat a beat up a really good Houston team. Uh, so kudos to you. Yeah. Any, any insight from you on those? Uh, on those
0: yeah, I, uh, I was kind of thinking the same thing with you along the lines of Michigan. I thought they get the monkey off their back the week before emotional win over Ohio state. How are they going to come out? And they did not bat an eye against an Iowa team that, had struggled offensively all season and k- get showed up against a really, really good defense. It's nice to see Aiden Hutchinson get the recognition he deserves and, and being a, mm-hmm. a Heisman finalist. Um, I'll talk a little bit about Baylor, Oklahoma state, because that did kind of make the committee's decision, I think relatively easy. Yeah. I mean, kudos to Dave Aranda, kudos to that Baylor program. They were picked, I think eighth or ninth, maybe seventh mm-hmm. in, in the conference. Like this was not supposed to be the year to, to turn it around. And, They were playing without their starting quarterback, Gary Bohannon. Um, And to put on that kind of performance now, they did go up 21-3. Oklahoma State kind of clawed their way back in. But what was it? Two goal line stands throughout the game. They had the one at the end of the game, but then one earlier in the game where Oklahoma State had first and goal at the one and and couldn't get in. Mm -hmm. Um, Exciting game, bet definitely the best game of the weekend. And I think the committee is is going to send Dave Aranda maybe like an edible arrangement <laughs> or something, because it really made it pretty clear cut. Now, I personally have, was arguing that Georgia's resume, when you look back at it, yes. is not great. They have no wins over top 20 teams. They won a pretty weak division. Um, their best wins, Kentucky. Their second best wins, Clemson. Um, but they're... I don't know what team you would have put in over them, right? Maybe Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame's schedule looks kind of weak as well with Virginia tech being down, UNC being down Stanford, USC, like they didn't do themselves. in. not that they do themselves any favors, but it just didn't break for them.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so I'm fine with the four. I think it's tough when you get two teams from the sec. Um, but with what the evidence, the committee had, I thought these were probably the four teams that should have made it. Now, Oklahoma state wins that game. The interesting thing is it it knocks out Cincinnati. It probably doesn't knock out Georgia. Like Georgia was in. Mm -hmm. Um, and it would have been really interesting to see a one loss power five champion compared to a undefeated group of five team. Um, thankfully I don't think, I don't think I wanted to know what would have happened. (laughs) I have a feeling Oklahoma state would have gotten in, um, despite Cincy going unbeaten for two years, basically, and having to win over a top five team. But, um, I think overall the committee again I think it was pretty easy. I think they got it right with the four teams.
1: No I agree and part of me slightly wishes that Oklahoma State would have won just so then it it would have been mayhem afterwards if an undefeated Cincinnati team got left out after being number four going into the week and then winning by two scores against a top 25 opponent. And then have Oklahoma State jump them, which I would have made the argument like you were just making there that if Oklahoma State would have won, I probably would have dropped Georgia down to number five. And which is crazy thinking because before the week I would have been I was completely on board with them going in with even with a loss. But when you looked at Oklahoma State would have won, that would have been two wins against Baylor. They have a win against Oklahoma. Their only loss, I believe, was to Iowa State, yeah. where I just think that loss, yes, Georgia's only loss was to Alabama, but their best win, I believe, is Kentucky yes. uh, when it comes to the rankings. And it's just like you just got beat by the best team you played by 17 points. And it, it wasn't even that close. So I am hap- I, I'm slightly – happy that Oklahoma state went. So we weren't having these stupid arguments, but, um, but yeah, like you said, I think Oklahoma state losing made the committee's job easy. And that's why I'm also okay with the four teams.
0: Uh, yeah, well. it was, um, fun kind of chaotic year, right? You had three, three, uh, conferences left out of the playoff, the PAC 12, Utah, just, Throttles Oregon 38 <laughs> and on Friday night, literally the same exact game that they played earlier uh, <laughs> last month in Salt Lake City. Pitt outlasts uh, the fight in Dave Clausens 45 21. That game, Lucas, I don't want to bring it up, but I've kind of have to. Just, just a, bad. a insane beat Lucas had the over what 71 and a half,
1: 71 and a half. It was 24 to 21, I believe at halftime.
0: It yeah. was well, not not only that, it was. 21-14 after the first quarter. Yes. You had I at one point I was watching the game 21-14 with like 3 minutes to go in the quarter and the over under the live over under was 89 and a half on DraftKings. Like this was a game you expected to be 48 to 42. Like could crack triple digits. And then they had this an insane lull in the middle of the game and then Pitt like piles it on, right? Like Sam yes. Hartman throws a pick six, Pitt pulls away and you needed one more score and unfortunately it uh, didn't happen.
1: I uh, was not very happy with it. Um, the third quarter was just deadly, and once again, I look. I I really like Sam Hartman. I think he's a great quarterback, but he this has been a, a a sign in bad games when stuff goes bad for him, it just goes bad. I mean, what he threw four picks in this game, all I believe in the second half, including that pick six. It was very similar early in the year when they played North Carolina. They were up by two scores heading in the fourth quarter. They don't do anything at the end of the game. Their offense completely stalls out, and even go going back to their bowl game last year against Wisconsin. I saw it up front. He threw four picks on four straight, <laughs> four straight possessions, and it completely lopsided the game afterwards. And uh, yeah, it was it was crusher for me because one. We've been on Dave Clausen's bandwagon all year. It would have been cool to see them right out. Though I am happy for Pitt and Kenny Pickett. But uh yeah, just a tough, tough beat. I was I thought they'd at least get one garbage time touchdown, yeah. and that just never happened. <laughs>
0: That's all you needed. Um yeah. some of the group of five stuff here, real quick before we move on. Kent State uh, falls to Northern Illinois in the Mac championship. The Huskies are Mac champs, uh Louisiana Sends Billy Napier out to Florida with a win. They win the Sun Belt 24-16 over Appalachian State. And uh, one of the more surprising ones, San Diego State gets destroyed by Utah State 46-13. The, uh, the Utah State Aggies are your Mountain West champs. And then on Friday, UTSA uh, completes a 12-1 season. They beat Western Kentucky for Conference USA.
1: And I was just going to say, out of all the – and we're going to get to it here shortly, but with all the, the coaching new – or coaching changes that have happened, I'm still shocked that Jeff Trailer did not get a job anywhere. Uh, kudos to him and the job he's done at UTSA. Um, they were one game away from going undefeated. Uh, that was a fun game Friday night. Also, shout out to uh, Thomas Hammock and the job he's done at Northern Illinois. This was a team that went 0-6 last year. I think their over under win total this year was three and a half and they end up going uh, nine and or, uh, yeah nine and four winning, uh, winning the Mac. And also kudos the first year at uh, Utah state, Blake Anderson, longtime Arkansas state head coach went to Utah state this year. That was kind of a program in turmoil with, you know, with Gary Anderson last year, leaving mid season uh, and just a great job overall by them. Yeah. Like you said, Absolute shocker, thrashing what was a really, really good San Diego State team.
0: Can't forget one of the biggest games of the weekend as well. I can't believe it's taken us uh, about 17 minutes to get there. Uh, Cal <laughs> improved to five and seven over, uh, and and the Pac-12 on a strong note. They beat USC 24 to, to 14 in the uh, the COVID Bowl, essentially the the COVID makeup. Oh bowl. man, that USC was- did not want to be there.
1: Neither team had anything to gain. There was no bull bull bid on the line. But Nothing. who knows? Maybe that win, uh, Oregon decides to, to hire Justin Wilcox because he can beat USC. So who
0: knows? Good segue, Lucas. Let's talk about it. So the coaching carousel. We thought it stopped spinning. We thought it was over. Everyone made their hires early. We talked about Brian Kelly. Um, We talked about Billy Napier. We you know talked about a lot of that stuff. Lincoln Riley to. To USC and then you start hearing these rumblings about all the money down there in Miami and they're going to make a play at Mario Cristobal and and it's announced today formally he's introduced today Mario Cristobal the head coach of Miami Manny Diaz is fired and now we have Oregon uh, another big job open um, this I'm conflicted with the Mario stuff because it, it went down about as ugly as it could have gone down
1: gross I mean, yeah.
0: I mean, Miami's hosting recruits. My, I mean, Manny Diaz is is in the homes of commits and of recruits. Recruiting for Miami, when there's reports out there that it's basically Mario Cristobal's job to turn down. Yeah. Um, and then someone tweeted about how the reason they have all this money is because of the U Health system, and we all know what's been happening the last couple of years, and why a lot of hospitals and drug companies are making a lot of money, and. Ugly stuff. Um, Lucas, kind of just your thoughts on how everything went down with Mario Cristobal to uh, to the Canes.
1: Yeah. Nothing more American than uh, using your uh, for he- or for profit healthcare system to yep. pay for your next uh, college football coach. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a great hire by Miami if you could get a Mario Cristobal, a guy who is an alum. Born and raised down in Miami, it's a perfect fit. He's an amazing recruiter, and I think you're going to see them really start to put another wall around Miami. But yeah, no, just kind of greasy how it all went down. But this is this is a greasy business. It's never <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. I was a little bit surprised. I actually wasn't. Uh, I actually was kind of a fan of Manny Diaz. I thought they could have fired him midseason. They ended up turning their season around. They did finish seven and five. Two of those games kind of uh, – at the beginning of the year, they had a missed field goal to lose to Virginia. They only lost by three points to North Carolina. If they flipped those two games, they're 9-3, and three, and I don't even know if we're talking about this. Uh, so that being said, look, if you want the hire, you got to make it. They also hired a new AD. That was another reason why this was so messy because they hadn't even – officially hired the ad from clemson uh to pick him up they just fired their AD two weeks ago and i think you had told me the main reason they did that was because mario cristobal did not like yep. the current athletic director so yeah no i mean it's it's just big money flowing through mel tucker kind of kicked this whole thing off and now everyone's throwing money even miami where they've been kind of low uh uh known to be relatively cheap and not really wanting to invest in their athletic program. So I think it shows a huge commitment on their part and we'll see if it works out. You have no idea, but uh, I think it's yeah. overall to get higher. Better.
0: Yeah. I, you know, to credit Manny Diaz for keeping the team, for keeping the locker room, like that team didn't quit. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat Pitt uh, at the end yeah. of the season like that. They were playing hard and they have a lot of good young players. Tyler Van Dyke really showed some things, uh true freshman quarterback for them. So Mario's got a pretty good roster, at least, and we'll see what he can do with it. Um, I was listening to the uh, the Cover 3, and our boy Bud Elliott, who's pretty locked into kind of that area of the country, basically said, like, not only do the are there big money boosters, but they're big money boosters that know Mario personally. And, like, this was only going to happen for Mario Cristobal. It wasn't like they were going to go try to get Jim Harbaugh or go get Lincoln Riley or, or go get – like, no, this was Mario and Mario only. If we can't get Mario – We'll keep Manny Diaz, see how things go in 2022, and reevaluate. But they they could get him. And yeah. you know, listen, I'm sure for Mario, this was about coming home. He won two national titles um, as a member of 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 the Hurricanes, and this is about being close to family and location. And you heard him speak in Spanish at the press conference, and like all that stuff. Like, because Oregon could have paid, and and yeah. he has built a really good machine at Oregon. And you look at the other teams in that division like washington new coach stanford's been down for a while i mean who's the second best team in that division next year is washington state like who knows so um he was set up to have a lot of success at oregon so clearly i don't i mean i'm guessing it's a move motivated by money because he wasn't going to go there for four million dollars a year (laughs) but oregon could have kept him so i think it's more about the fit and what he wants to do and like you said, like he's a great recruiter. I mean, you look at the recruits he's brought in. Kayvon Thibodeau out of Southern California, who will likely be the number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Next year was signed to Oregon. They've done a really nice job. Ty Thompson from right here in Arizona. Five-star quarterback. Didn't, didn't play this year, but he was kind of a, a heralded recruit. So Mario can recruit. I think the big thing is they're going to give him resources and staff budget and all the ancillary stuff that comes along with it. And we'll see. I mean, it's it's weird. Like, you look at the state of Florida. Like, Florida new coach, Miami new coach, and all of a sudden, Mike Norvell's like the longest tenured major coach <laughs> in Florida. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, listen, as we've talked about, kind of off the pod, Miami just isn't the same job it was twenty years ago. You, you now, all of those Miami recruits in South Florida are going to Bama. They're going to Ohio State. They're going to Clemson. They're going to Georgia. Like, you don't just you are not just competing with Florida State and Florida for players anymore they play in an off campus stadium that is empty half the time or is half empty even when the season starts it's not a good atmosphere it's so i'm interested to see what other things happen there do they get a new stadium do they get new facilities is i mean i i don't know but there's a lot i'm i'm interested to see if mario can get them back to where like they're competing like they win the coastal every other year they're competing for playoffs every five or six years. Like I think Miami can get there, but it's not going to be easy as it was 20 years ago.
1: No, the, the the wall of the state of Miami has definitely been fractured, but I mean, they are showing some commitment. I think they will now have the largest assistant salary pool, uh pool for, for assistance in the ACC, uh, which is saying something with Clemson, Florida state. Uh, But no, I agree. If, if they can get back to winning nine to 10 games consistently, I mean, that alone would be a big step in the right direction. This is a program where it seems like they're only good once every five years. And then the other years they're teetering (laughs) to get bowl eligible. So uh, yeah, I think, I think it'll, it should work out, especially if you can just, I mean, if you can just recruit really, really well in Miami, you can get a lot of those top guys to stay home. Your roster alone should just win you eight games a year. So Um, I I think the only question with Cristobal is kind of the X's and O's. His teams at Oregon were good. They were physical. Um, However, they did lack a lot of explosiveness on the offensive side of the ball, which is funny because that's kind of what Oregon's identity was before he got there. Um, And we saw it against uh, Utah, too. I think there's something to say when you play the same team twice and the same result happens almost exactly the same. Uh, where you just get beat on them, so I think there are some questions with Cristobal, but um, like we said, I think being there in his hometown, it's going to be a great fit. Uh, yeah, we'll just I guess we'll just uh, yeah. see how it works out. I'm excited to see
0: it. And I think for Oregon fans, like you mentioned, there there was they were a little conflicted, right? Like he certainly yeah, sure. has raised the profile there. He's he's been a great recruiter. I, I read so many stories about how he changed the game in the Pac-12 with the, with the how he recruited. He brought kind of that that, that SEC feel in terms of how they did things to the pac 12 certainly did a good job getting players winning a lot of games, but I think a lot of Oregon fans would tell you they are they underachieved. I mean, mm-hmm. they got blown out twice by Utah. You look at the 2019 game where they had, they lost to ASU on the road. Like you see what Justin Herbert's done at, yeah. uh, with the chargers in two years. And like, they didn't make really a sniff of the playoff with Justin mm-hmm. Herbert. So, um, one of the things that Manny has been criticized a little bit has been staff hires in terms of you know losing guys and having to, having to bring guys in. So it'll be interesting to see um, what what happens there. Let's let's transition a little bit to where Oregon goes from here. This is an article um, from the uh, the Oregonian, OregonLive.com, dot com. Seven candidates. For Oregon, I'm going to go through them, Lucas, and just kind of give me your thoughts here uh, after I give them to you. Dave Aranda, who is uh, continues to be up in every every major job. Jeff Grimes, OC at Baylor. Brian Harson, head coach at Auburn. Chip Kelly, head coach at UCLA. Bill O'Brien, OC at Alabama. Keelani Sataki, head coach at BYU. And uh, Justin Wilcox at Cal. Um, anyone from there uh, tickle your fancy there? What do you think about the Oregon job?
1: Dave Aranda is definitely a name that that pops up. I think, obviously, him being a West Coast guy, being born and raised in California, I think it would make a lot of sense. Um, I mean, he he turned around Baylor. It was ugly his first year there, but them you know completely doing a one hundred and eighty, winning the Big Twelve, especially in the net in that championship game with a backup quarterback, as you had mentioned earlier. Um, his stock, I think, is the highest it can be right now. Um, that being said, I mean, he's got a pretty cushy spot at Baylor. It um, wouldn't be shocked if we see another contract extension get thrown his way to keep him there. Um, but uh, I think that would be a great a great hire. I think he's kind of like Cristobal in the fact that he, he'll be able to bring a lot of stability, which is what I thought Cristobal did to that job after Willie Taggart left after one year. Uh Jeff Grimes, who is obviously the Baylor OC, I think has done a great job there as well. He was, I believe he was at, was he at BYU uh, prior, I think so. Uh, oh, yeah. prior?
0: so. Oh yeah, so Grimes North. previously coached at BYU, LSU, Virginia Tech, Auburn, Colorado, ASU, and Boise.
1: Gotcha. Uh, so I think he would be a good fit. Maybe he goes to BYU if Kalani Satake takes the job. Um, but I think all those names, Justin Wilcox, I don't think that's the name. I mean, he's done a decent job at Cal, but I think you get kind of the same issues offensively with him. I'd be a little worried about if you were worried about that with Ball. his offenses at Cal leave a little bit too desired. And after they won eight games, they've had two straight losing seasons, but he is in Oregon. I believe he went to Oregon. Uh, so it would be probably a destination job for him. But I think, I think out of that group, if you could get a Kalani Sataki or a, or uh, a Dave Aranda, I think those are the two that you really target if you're going because we know they have money. Um yeah. they've got basically a blank check from Phil Knight. So,
0: and I agree. I mean, I, you know, you look at Kalani Satake, BYU won ten games this season. Uh, they won back to back. They've won ten games back to back seasons, right? He just had a quarterback pick top five in the draft twenty eight. He's forty eight and twenty eight and six seasons there. Um, I think he would be a nice fit for Oregon. Um there's one interesting thing here I, I was just reading the article as, as you were going. Um under the under Brian Harson it says the former Boise State coach went 6 and 6 in his debut season at Auburn and is already angling to get out. Harson wanted the Washington job. He'll come back to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> so I don't know how credible those sources are but uh we we we've talked a little bit about about the interesting coaching the last couple months for you know Brian Harson and yes how he was six and three and, and maybe staring eight and four in the face and maybe beating Alabama. And none of those things happened. And apparently he was angling to get the the Washington job. So uh, I don't think Harson gets this job. I, you know, Oregon to me is just in a weird spot. Like Chip Kelly, I don't think Chip Kelly makes a ton of sense. I mean, do you want to just, it would feel very recycled to me. Yes. It would feel very forced. It would feel very like, let's relive the glory days. Like, um, listen, I think the name on this this that's not on this list that's a no brainer is Herm Edwards. Take Herm Edwards.
1: <laughs> take
0: go ahead Oregon. ASU fans will be sad to let him go. Don't take Herm Edwards, please no, but I think he'd be not um I don't think Bill O'Brien gets in the mix here. Justin Wilcox is interesting, that he is an Oregon alum. Um you know, I don't know. I wonder if Link, I mean Link Kiffin's been linked to every single Power 5 job open. Does he would be he,
1: awesome. That would be awesome.
0: I mean, he would score a lot of points, man. And apparently he's been angling to get out of Ole Miss. He did. I think he finally signed his contract extension yes. after Brian Kelly took the LSU jump. But that means nothing, as we all know. Um,
1: well, I just think he just wants, like, how awesome would it be to see him against Lincoln Riley in the Pac-12 championship game? Because yeah. we know he's he's a bit, uh, what's the word for it? Um, uh man, I loose
0: but he's a little a bit, bit loose. loose,
1: but he's also a little, uh,
0: firecracker spark firecracker. plug. He, and he also crazy. A little,
1: he's a little, he likes to hold grudges a little bit. And yeah. uh, I think he would love the opportunity much like he loves playing Saban every year. I think he would love the opportunity to kind of get back at USC every time that he could.
0: I think if you're Dave Aranda at this point, I mean, Texas went five and seven this year they have some issues. Oklahoma lost their coach. Like you're probably looking at next year and being like, I could run the big 12 for a while. And then you think Texas and Oklahoma leave. Yeah. You get Cincinnati, you get Houston, you get BYU there. There's some good, I, I do think there are some good programs coming in, but a random might think like, Hey, I, I can keep this going for a little bit, make a lot of money. Like I know a lot of people thought USC would really intrigue him because he's from Southern California. He's not from the Pacific Northwest. So yeah. I don't think Aranda gets involved here. I think Kalani Satake may take this job, and it wouldn't really be a sexy hire for Oregon. Um, but I think he I think he can coach. I think he's a good coach. So.
1: I agree. I agree. Because where, where was he at before BYU? He-
0: so it says he spent a year at Oregon State in 2015. Spent a year at Oregon State. Um, I'm guessing as an assistant. he Because he was the assistant with Bronco Mendenhall, right? Like he was on Bronco's yes. staff and then Bronco left to go to Virginia. Yes. So. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about uh, bowl season. Um, kicks off on Friday, December 17th. Um, but there's one bowl in particular that we are both keeping our eye on. It is the uh, the matchup of the, the running for the roses pot Arizona State and Wisconsin in the whatever sponsor, uh, Las Vegas Bowl, on December thirtieth. Um, Lucas, you're just from a from a Wisconsin kind of side. Your
1: your your thoughts
0: on? Uh, sorry, that was a, a video autoplay of as I was looking at the. I was going to
1: say it's Reese Davis. Yeah, uh, no, Reese Davis not phoning know. in.
0: Unfortunately, not phoning in. No, it was uh, a <laughs> you know, ESPN's website just a. Uh, Disaster. Um, <laughs> you're you're from the Wisconsin side. Your your thoughts on uh, heading to Vegas?
1: Um, uh, I mean, it's a good consolation prize for not being able to go to the Rose Bowl or to Tampa. Uh, it's fun playing a uh, a different opponent. Um, that being said, it was not a game I wanted to have, just because I we've played, we've had the Phoenix Suns and the box in the NBA Finals. We just had the Packers and Cardinals play earlier this year. They're probably going to play each other in the playoffs. I, I just can't take another uh, Arizona Wisconsin game. Well, I mean, and this
0: it, is this is coming from of a guy there. that's won both of them. Okay, this is going to be a yes. guy who's won both of them.
1: But um, especially after what happened in twenty thirteen in that freaking shit show of a game. Um, but I mean, from our point of view, if it's just a struggle because I I'm down on Wisconsin right now, just because they were just pathetic against Minnesota. And uh, what scares me is Jaden Daniels. We played Adrian Martinez in Nebraska was really the only dual threat quarterback we played all year and Nebraska moved the football at ease against us. And so that scares me with uh, ASU. I know you guys are going to be missing, I believe your top two running backs
0: yeah, Rashad White declared for the draft. He will not be playing. And then Chip Traum uh, is transferring and, and will will uh, not play as well. ASU, I think, feels pretty good about the running back depth. Daniel Nengada will probably get most of, of the carries. Um, and listen, like that's a good point on Jane Daniels. Like He really hasn't progressed much as a passer, but he can run the ball. And yeah. he can extend plays, make things happen with his legs. I think that could give Wisconsin some issues. I just think Wisconsin is just gonna run all day on ASU. Like I, I just I don't know if ASU is gonna be ready for the physics because we you don't see that much. Like you, you just don't not in the Pac-12. Sure. Um, yeah, I think true. for ASU, like you're excited. It's in the new Raider Stadium. It's you're eight and four. You have a chance to get nine wins. Uh, I, I think the Vegas Bowl has more mystique now than it did when you were playing a Mountain West team. Um, I think when you were Sun-
1: when you were playing uh in UN was that UNLV's?
0: Yeah, you were playing AD at Sam too. Boyd. Uh, on the campus of unlv now you're playing in the new raider stadium it's a bit later as well it used to be early so it's close to new year so i'm potentially planning on trying to go uh or we we are we're trying to go we'll we'll see if we can if we can make it happen because it's going to be i think it's gonna be a cool atmosphere i think wisconsin will travel really well wisconsin always travels well and, and somebody made the joke on twitter of um you know, Vegas is about the only city that can't that has enough beer for all the Wisconsin fans. Like Wisconsin can't we can't, yeah, you know, drain drain Vegas. Um <laughs> and for ASU fans, it's it's a natural quick five hour drive up the um up uh up north. So it'll be um I think it'll be good. I think it'll be yeah. good. Um
1: Yeah. Uh I I was just about to say when we were talking about just kind of you're talking about kind of our running game, it should be better. Um, we've been just decimated at the running back position, both by transfers and by injuries. Uh, Braylon Allen, who was just our freshman phenom towards the end of the year, got really bottled up against Minnesota, but he even said after the game that his he could barely walk. Uh, he said his basically his legs were completely out at this point in the season. Uh, most people forget he was a, a junior in high school last year, and they played in the spring. So he really did not get a full off season to kind of have his legs get healed. So I think having that uh, the four weeks off will really, really benefit him. And, I mean, he's a beast. But we'll see. I know ASU has a pretty good defense. I think uh, – you know, I don't know what type of Graham Mertz we're going to get with four-weeks practice. But also, Paul Christ is really good in bowl games. He's 5-1 and one since taking over as Wisconsin's head coach in bowl games. So he's usually pretty good when he has – a full month to prepare for it.
0: And I think so much of bowl games are just who wants to be there, right? I mean, what team is going to show up? Um, A lot of guys opt out, guys who have transferred are are gone. Guys that leave for the draft are gone. Um, I mean, there was even talk of Jane Daniels transferring. So um, it will be interesting to see. Um, As we kind of wrap up here, let's just, let's touch on some of the, uh, the new year six bowls and just what kind of, which one catches your eye. You got the, all-State Sugar Bowl, Baylor, and Ole Miss. The Rose Bowl is Ohio State and Utah. Fiesta Bowl, we have Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. And then in the uh, the Peach Bowl, we have Pitt and Michigan State. Lucas, anything, uh, what, what jumps out about our New Year's Six matchups?
1: I am really looking forward to Pitt Michigan State, um, especially because it's Narduzzi going up against his former school in Michigan State. And both these teams are just fun. Uh, Both have pretty good passing games. We get to see Kenny Pickett uh, on one side. We get to see Kenneth Walker on the other. uh, Was really shocked to see that Kenneth Walker was not getting invited uh, along with Kenny Pickett to New York for the Heisman ceremony. But it's just the way college is. Well,
0: and and to be fair, he kind of fizzled at the end of the season, right? I mean, I think after the Ohio State game when he had 20-something yards, it just – that was tough because that was their big, like, national TV game day, like, and he just struggled.
1: Um, but I think that should be a fun game. I will be interested. I, I am really happy for Utah uh, being able to go to the Rose Bulls. their I believe their first ever trip. And it just shows how far they've come as program from when they were way back in the WAC to the Mountain West. Now they're king of the mountaintops in the Pac-12. And I think they got a shot because we were just talking about how for some of these bowl games, who truly wants to be there? I don't know how much Ohio State. Even though it is the Rose Bowl, it's usually every Big Ten kid's stream to play in that game. I don't know the way their season ended, how we don't even know which type of play, how many players are going to have opting out and leaving early. Are any of their wide receivers going to be playing in this game? Uh, so I'd be interested to see kind of their motive uh, in there. But those are probably the two um, that I'm probably looking at the, at the closest, how
0: about yourself? Yeah, so I think the Rose Bowl one, obviously, like I love watching the Rose Bowl. Um, Utah it would be great to see them. And I think that is the big question. Like, Ohio State, there are, you know, ten other teams, twelve other teams in the big ten that would love to be in the Rose Bowl. Is Ohio State gonna yeah. be motivated um to get up for that game? I'm pretty intrigued with Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. Um the Notre Dame with Marcus Freeman being announced as the head coach. All the cool stuff that happened last week with that. Um, his first game will, will be against Mike Gundy, and Oklahoma State, a team that was inches away from potentially making the playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and Notre Dame or uh, Oklahoma State losing Jim Knowles, their defensive coordinator, going to Ohio State, um, which will be a big loss for them. And I'm interested to see what Notre Dame gets going because I think that'll be a physical, yes. um, pro-style football game. I think it's a good get for the Fiesta Bowl. Notre Dame always draws well. I think Oklahoma State, their first New Year Six bowl game in a while, I think they will draw well. I think the one that kind of gets forgotten is Baylor versus Ole Miss. <laughs> Ole Miss, the third or fourth best team in the SEC. I mean, the SEC getting two playoff teams. Ole Miss is kind of the next in line to go to the um, the Sugar Bowl there, and Baylor again a chance. I mean, I think that's a uh, offense versus defense, right? Dave Aranda, Lane yeah. Kiffin, if Lane Kiffin's there. Uh, who knows at this point I think it'll be uh I think that'll be interesting so it's enjoyable um we will uh have another pod or two to talk about the playoff matchups um but just kind of quickly Lucas Cincinnati Bama Michigan Georgia quick read on both of those games here before we wrap up
1: yeah, I think for Cincinnati-Bama, I'm just hoping it's – I mean, I'm hoping it's a close game. I mean, for both of these games, I feel like since the playoff has started, we maybe have had one or two actual close semifinal games. Uh, they're typically not very close. There's usually always a big gap between one and two. But I think the 2-3 matchup is really exciting. I really don't know what to expect in Michigan and Georgia. Both of these teams kind of want to beat you in the same way. They want to pound the rock as much as possible. They want to run, run, and run some more. And they both have unbelievable defensive fronts uh, with multiple NFL guys on it, which I think is going to be a handle for both of their offensive lines. So um, so I think in that game, probably low scoring, probably going to be the closest game, maybe like a 24 to 20. Uh, type. will be interested to see if Michigan can run the ball as effectively as, as they had against Ohio State, against Iowa. Um, and see if they can do that against Georgia. And then Cincinnati, Alabama. I mean, since you get your shot, um, I'm going to just probably delete Twitter if they lose that game by three touchdowns because every analyst is going to be like, God, see, see, this is why we don't invite these teams in. And, and this happens every year pretty much any Bama plays somebody in a semifinal. they Even in a final, they they've beat them by three or four touchdowns. Um, uh, so I hope it's, I hope it's a close competitive game. Cause I think Cincinnati is really, really good. And I'm excited for them to get that spotlight.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think no doubt, like they put the Michigan Georgia game in prime time for a reason, mm-hmm. two big brands. I mean, Michigan's going to draw a huge number. Um, and you're right. I thought your analysis was spot on two teams that want to beat you the same way. Two teams that don't want to throw the ball a ton. Two teams that are going to pound the rock. I just think Michigan's playing great football. I mean, you want to talk about a team that's peaking at the right time? They blow the doors off Maryland on the road. They beat Ohio State, scoring forty-two, and they blow the doors off a top fifteen Iowa team. Like Michigan's playing well. I don't want to overreact too, too much, but I could ease. I could see them beating Georgia for sure. I mean, I just could, and maybe we'll, we're I'm caught up in the moment, and Georgia um, could win that game by two scores, but. Michigan's got a lot of good players. That defense is legit. I mean, they're going to have two top 20 draft picks with their, their defensive ends, Um, plenty of physicality. So I think that'll be a fun one. And, you know, since he Bama, listen, Desmond Ritter's the second best quarterback probably in the playoff. Since he's got a really good defense, probably. I don't want to say a better defense than Bama. I haven't looked at the numbers too closely, but certainly a defense that compares and you're right like this is it's almost bigger than one game because if since he gets beaten like 45 to 10 people are going to be really they're going to give second thoughts on putting another an, another G5 team in the playoff as it stands now with with four teams not that since he's going to be thinking about that but like that's kind of the stakes that are are uh are here for you know this game and Luke Fickle was just named coach of the year i think he'll him and his staff will be ready They don't have a lot of turnover on that staff. So I expect good games. I I would expect Alabama to kind of pull away late. And Georgia and Michigan, I think, will just be a rock fight for four quarters. I mean, I think it's going to be a, (laughs) I think it's just going to be a rock fight. And uh, I'm kind of hoping Michigan wins so we don't see Bama-Georgia again, to
1: be honest. Oh, because everyone wants to see a rematch of an SEC title game. Yep. Last time that title game just went so well. When it was a rematch, but uh, no, I agree with you. And um, I think with, uh, I was just going to say with, you know, Cincinnati and Bama, I was reading an article, I think Pete Thamel wrote it. And it was a bunch of coaches. He uh, asked a lot of college head coaches, really, uh, or basketball head coaches for Cinderella stories that got into the tournament. And they said their most pressure cooking game was always those conference championship games to get into the tournament after that it was the relief went off. Like the pressure was off. And I'm wondering if that is going to be definitely the case with Cincinnati. Like for them, obviously they want to win a national title, but the pressure to be the first group of five team is now gone. You're now in the playoff. You can just focus solely on this and this opponent. And to them, like the, the pressure's on Bama. If Bama loses to a group of five team, Everyone's going to give crap to Bama, where even if Cincinnati loses by 35, that's what most people expect anyway. Right. So I think uh, we could see a nice, relaxed team, and I think that will help and benefit Cincinnati.
0: All right. It's going to do it for uh, tonight's episode. Hoping to come back next week and talk recruiting. we got National Signing Day uh, on December 15th, and then maybe preview some bowls. And uh, talk a little bit more about our upcoming playoffs. So, Lucas, any final words from uh, from Nashville for you?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, like I mentioned early in the podcast, I didn't get to watch a ton of football this week because I was at a wedding. Uh, little did I know the whole groom and groom's party all were Bama alums. So I heard Roll Tide about 150 times at the
0: wedding. Oh, no. Oh no.
1: <laughs> ah. um, I'm, just, I'm
0: just finding this out for the first time every, as well.
1: Every cheers, every like when the uh, best man was doing uh, his speech, it was roll tide after every like good moment in his speech. It was, uh, I just, you would hear random roll tides and we're like, oh yeah, Alabama just scored again uh, throughout the throughout the reception so that was an interesting experience but um happy they could have a good wedding day uh, but that's probably the only reason why i'm happy Bama won but otherwise uh excited for the bowl season coming up here um and had a good time recapping what, championship that? Weekend.
0: what does that say about alabama fans that either they don't care enough about the sec title game to they just gonna have a wedding, Definitely. or they like completely miscalculated that it's the SEC championship. Like the groom and the groomsman had no idea that Saturday was the SEC title game. Yeah. Or they're like, you know what? Screw it. Get married to the SEC. who cares? We yeah. we're there every year.
1: Every year we'll win it. We'll be able to watch on our phones. Ugh. Yeah. Because like I- the wedding was at three o'clock. Like it started at three o'clock. The same time the game did.
0: God, it's crazy. So. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for us tonight. For Lucas, I'm Ryan. Have a good night. Stay frosty, everyone.